Welcome back to Mining Stock Daily, everybody. Uh, We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about lithium and lithium exploration. Uh, But before we get into my conversation with Jody DeRouge, a quick talk about precious metals. Uh, Gold continues to flirt with that $2,000 market breached it for just a moment back to 1998 as i'm talking silver also breached that 24 dollar mark this morning but was pushed back down to 23 dollars 93 cents as we are recording uh Overall, really good day for precious metals. Uh, We're going to table that for another conversation. Let's talk about lithium. Uh, I have been, you know, out there and just kind of writing about and and talking about this craziness we are seeing, not only in uh, lithium demand, but also the junior equities. It's it's, it's frothy. Uh, I don't know if it's called for. Is are we to the point in the cycle where things are getting a little too much? And so. A, a guest of mine who's joining me today is an expert in hard rock lithium. His name is Jody DeRouge. He is the head man there at DeRouge Geological Consulting. And Jody, thank you so much for spending some time with us here. Oh, thank you, Trevor. So, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Yeah, uh, this has been a couple of weeks in the works here um, to get this interview done. I guess let's get this general introduction out of the way. Tell me about your career, DeRouge Geologic Consulting, and really what you do? Uh, well, I'm a geologist. I graduated in 19, uh, 1988 from geology at the University of Alberta in Edmonton. And I guess, you know, I should say the reason why I'm a geologist. When I was a kid, I grew up in a small town called Glendon, Alberta. There's like three, 400 people there. I'm related to half the town. <laughs> but to supplement uh, my parents' business, my dad used to go build winter roads in the Arctic, Nahanni Valley, Slave Lake, up to the uranium mines at, uh, or silver mines at Great Bear Lake. And so this guy would come back that I hadn't seen for four months when I'm four or five years old, big beard, and tell me all these fantastic stories. And, you know, and it was basically, he was teaching me how to treasure hunt in a way, because that's what he was doing, or at least building roads into, into treasure hunt uh, locations. And, that's why I'm a geologist. And, you know, fast forward to uh, to today, my son's also a geologist, you know, and he's got the same passion. So we started DeRouge Geological in the 1990s. Um, we focus mostly on esoteric minerals like lithium, rare earths, uranium, um, probably everything but precious metals, though we do do precious metal exploration. It hasn't necessarily been our focus. And we started looking for lithium, particularly hard rock pegmatites, in the early 2000s. And um, at, at the time, there was this, a bit of a green energy boom with uranium prices spiking high. And then really there was a second spike in lithium prices around, I want to say around 2015 to 2017. And that's when we really focused on acquiring uh, projects that we thought had high value. Uh, we the, for one of the first ones we acquired was called Hidden Lake in the Northwest Territories. Uh, it's just east of Yellowknife on the on the permanent highway that leads to the Winter Road. And then we acquired several in Northern Quebec. We had a lot of experience in Northern Quebec because in the early 2000s we acquired a project called Eldor for Commerce Resources and made a big rare earth discovery there. So our experience in that part of the world. 
sort of segued into the staking up spodumene pegmatites that we could identify. Uh, I think in about 2015, Neil McCollum and myself started looking at some of the greenstone belts in northern Quebec uh, for spodumene occurrences, historic spodumene occurrences, staked the ones we could. One's called Plontax, one's called uh, Lactobarrel, another one, of course, is Corvette, which everybody knows about. And those made their way into 92 resources, which today is Patriot battery metals. So what was it about pegmatites that really caught your interest, the hard, you know, the hard rock deposits of her lithium? I, I think when you look through the literature, there's really two ways that um, lithium is produced. One is from the mineral spodumene, which is found within LCT, which is, stands for lithium cesium tantalum. LCT pegmatites. Uh, there's a preponderance of them in West Australia. Uh, there's a whole bunch that were known historically in the Northwest Territories, probably discovered around the 1950s when there was a prior sort of explosion in the lithium cycle. Um, and, uh, and then the other lithium production that occurs worldwide are typically from brines in Chile, Argentina. Uh, Abermal has a project uh, uh, Silver Peak in Nevada. Um, but we, we, we have looked for lithium brines and we have participated in staking rushes in Nevada for lithium brines um, and elsewhere. But we really focused in on pegmatites. That's what we knew best. And uh, I think you had the most success acquiring. Yeah. Was it challenging to go staking lithium claims in times where maybe other metals were being highly you're being sought off at a higher level, you know, precious metals or even some of the base metals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we knew we had good projects. So we acquired these projects with known pegmatites, but with, with good grades of lithium, uh, with good mineralogy, and then trying to find a buyer that would listen to our story. That was difficult. You know, Hidden Lake, uh, Adrian Lamaru at 92 Resources eventually listened to, uh, listen to our desire to sort of do some work on this hidden lake project uh and so he purchased it from us and then purchased a series of other pegmatites in northern quebec from us and but other people you know you go out you articulate the story you try to raise funds for it and they weren't necessarily interested in funding you or funding the exploration so you know, we always help our clients raise funds when we can. Hmm. And so between myself, Adrian, uh, the Zim2 group was behind it at one point. Uh, we all worked pretty hard to get the funds just to go out and do the initial channel sampling of these different projects, um, channel sampling, prospecting, mapping, and originally a drill program at Hidden Lake. People forget that Patriot has this interest in this Hidden Lake project, which has had some pretty impressive drill results. Uh, but it's kind of on the back burner uh, compared to Patriot's uh, Corvette project because, of course, those results are amazing. Yeah, let, let me ask you about your history with that Corvette project. We've had Blair on before for a couple of updates and obviously introductions. And that thing has just uh, been an outperformer in this very hot lithium market, obviously. Uh, but can you kind of tell us a story about how – your early work on Corvette and how that you know deal was made with with Patriot. 
Well, it's part of this whole desire of ours. You know, at Darush Geological, one of the things we do, so we have two companies, Darush Geological, which is a consulting arm, and DG Resource Management, which is the project generation arm. We are constantly sitting down as a group and trying to think, where's the market headed? What are they going to need two, three, four years from now? Not necessarily what's needed today. Mm-hmm. Because if you're joining every staking rush for gold or whatever the hot commodity might be, uh, you know, you're often out finding yourself on the edges. It's best to try and predict where the market's going to go and then have the best projects before you get there. And so the, the Patriot project, the Corvette project, uh, Neil McCall and myself, again, we were trying to generate ideas like where is there open ground, mm-hmm. where there's phosgamine pegmatites that we can do online staking for and acquire for fairly inexpensive. And we saw this open, massively open greenstone belt east of an Osisco project where they were looking for gold. Um, Neil found, after reading through an assessment report, this one isolated outcrop, which is now known as CV1, is described as having spodumene in it. We staked it. Uh, eventually, we sent crews out over a couple of years. Uh, one crew, the, the original crew, I think, was like literally on the last five minutes of helicopter fuel. <laughs> before it got to the site. They literally uh, almost never made it to the site. They get to the site, land on CV1, and man, it's loaded with spodumene. You know, in fact, the previous gold explorers in the area stacked their gold core on this massively spodumene bearing outcrop. And so we staked it. Uh, I think Darren Smith from our office, who's now VP Exploration of Patriot, he made contact with the group that owned the ground to the west, did a... a organized a transaction for 92 resources, whereby uh, 92 resources could earn 75% in their ground. Uh, I remember my son, when he was out there, he was like, Dad, you got to buy the ground to the west. The, you could see the outcrops from the helicopter, the drones, uh, one after another on all sides of the lake and in, the, uh, uh, in and amongst the till, uh, going further west, going east. And so, yeah, we eventually expanded the land package and. Uh, now there's, of course, 50-kilometer strike length at least of, of pegmatites um, leading all the way, people forget, Winsome's Camset project, which is way to the west, is still in the same volcanic belt. That's mm. um, pretty amazing, the number of pegmatites. You know, I, I look back in hindsight, in hindsight and this area is really heavily till-covered. I've, right. I've traversed it myself. It's hard to find outcrops. And only occasionally you see these little ridgebacks or whalebacks sitting, sitting in and amongst the till. And if you take away the till and the lake and join them all up, man, somebody would have drilled this years ago and found it years ago. But because there's these isolated, you know, chess pieces here and there, um, that's why I think it stayed open and, un- and relatively unexplored for until recently. Have you been the least a bit surprised with some of these drill results? I mean, just yesterday, Patriot released their latest 83.5 meters of 3.13% lithium. I mean, this is, I mean, that that's a, it's mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. But I'm just kind of, would love to get your sense, and I'm sure everybody else would, you know, like, it, this. it's such a large land package, and they keep finding, you know, they keep releasing really wonderful drill results. You know, 
I guess, what's your thoughts on the extent of this? I mean, where do you even begin to even consider putting some sort of operation or resource on this? Or is this still really early stage? Well, it's, I mean, I'm not personally or directly involved in the exploration. Right. Our crews are. I mean, Darren Smith operates it. We have a lot of staff on site helping Patriot with core logging. Um, but yeah, it, it, I don't know when... If you're continually adding tonnage with every few drill holes, why would you put a resource in? Mm. Um, yeah. I, I know there's certain corporate goals that need they need to achieve, and the company, uh, you know, Blair's doing a great job. The team is doing amazing, advancing this project quickly, um, and they want to get into production as fast as possible. That's the end game, right? And so you're going to put out a resource. And then potentially do economic studies around where you think the best place is to start mining it. And these are, I'll back up for a second. When we first started drilling this with the first series of four holes, and knowing that CV5 was on the south side of that that pond or that lake, and CV1 was on the northeast side, I thought, hey, we're going to put 5 million tons together around CV1, maybe 10 million around CV5, and eventually we'll put a, a pretty decent-sized project together in the 20 million ton range. And then, you know, anybody can look at critical rare earths or uh, frontier lithium and, and get comparables from market caps mm-hmm. and say, well, that that could be our end goal here after a few years. Never in my wildest dreams that I think they all joined up. I, it never once entered my mind that every one of these outcrops, because typically what pegmatites do is they pinch they swell. They're filling up fault zones and fractures. And um, man, this is one massive structure that they filled up. And and now I I keep wondering to myself: Does it? Could it extend all the way to CV4? Could it extend all the way to CV13? Certainly, there's been very few misses that I've seen to date. Uh, the scale of this thing is just absolutely enormous. So when you put out a resource estimate, I suppose you have to put maybe a cutoff in time. Mm-hmm. and say all drill results that are in by December 1st. Those are used in the resource estimate. And if they're not in, they're not going to be used. Yeah. Because at this point, it doesn't seem like there's boundaries or any any permanent boundaries put on, on this thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the Corvette project and Patriot Battery Metals. I know you don't speak on behalf of the company by any means, but the reason, that, general reason I wanted to talk to you, Jody, is to get a sense of where we're at with lithium exploration. Not only, you know, I, I guess I want to know what do investors and resource speculators need to be looking at when it comes to early stage lithium exploring equities and then also where we're at in this cycle because you've you've worked through a couple of these lithium cycles and i'm kind of curious how is this one set up at this you know at this current time compared to what you've seen in in previous so i know those are two big separate questions so i wonder if you could help me let's start with the first one help me break down and get a good understanding If, if i'm looking at a company that has lithium claims and that's what their news releases have been for the last three months. What do I want to be paying attention to? I, I think ultimately the geology is key. Are they in a greenstone belt? Are they in sediments? Are they proximal to the greenstone belt? And, and a very 
generalized way of describing how pegmatites form, or at least in the James Bay district, Japan is an island arc. That's a green stump. That's a modern day example of a green stump belt. So, and on both sides of Japan, you have sedimentary basins. Now imagine an intrusion coming up below Japan that's of the proper chemistry. And, uh, you know, as gold explorers looking for epithermal systems, they will say the, the high temperature fluids carry gold and fill out the cracks and fissures and fault zones. Uh, in the exact same way, lithium at a very certain temperature and a very certain distance uh, of zonation from those intrusions will be deposited. And, and the cooling cycle is very slow, hence the big crystals, pegmatites. Pegmatites connotate big crystals. Um, so you, you're looking for those settings. Rarely do pegmatites, or rarely do pegmatites form inside other intrusions. They do, I've seen it. Uh, but the most, frequent, uh, the most frequent place they're located are volcanic rocks and sedimentary rocks. So, the first thing I would look for when investing in, uh, say, a junior exploration company that doesn't have that drill hit yet, is I would look, do they have pegmatite? Do they have LCT pegmatite? Do they ha are they reporting lithium numbers? Is there historic, uh, is there historic spodumene reported? There's, there's other minerals that can occur that form at different temperature pressure regimes uh, under different uh, uh, conditions. Lipidolite's one, but lipidolite's not easy to process, and it's not a favored mineral amongst people who uh, produce the lithium hydroxide or lithium carbonate. They want spodumene because it's known technology that goes back probably a hundred years. Um, so look for those things when you look at drill results. I mean, everybody can quantify, uh, you know, volumes and tonnages by by the drill bit. So if you get a ten meter hit. There's several 10-meter hits over 100 meters strike length and 100 meters vertical extent. You can multiply X times Y times Z to get and assign a specific gravity of roughly 2.6, 2.7 um, to get the tonnage. And, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to build tonnage and grade with a 88, 80-plus 80 meter of 3-plus percent lithium right. <laughs> than 2 meters of... 1.2%. Like it's simple math. Yeah. So let's go, let's move on to my second question and wondering where we're at in this cycle. We've seen a lot of activity. I mean, it's just James Bay alone, James Bay region alone. There's been a lot of staking activity, just staking and last prior months uh, has given you multiples in your market cap. If you're able to do that. Yeah. It's gotten, really active. So where are we at in this cycle here, Jody? Well, there's really, there's the exploration cycle, excuse me, but there's also the, uh, the demand cycle from lithium. And certainly we've seen spodumene prices and, and I, I don't necessarily look at lithium carbonate prices as a geologist. I'm looking at spodumene concentrate prices. Okay. And I think they spodumene concentrate prices peaked at something like, Eight or nine thousand dollars US per ton, which is for six percent spodumene, which is amazing. You know, when we first started looking for uh, for lithium in about two thousand fifteen to seventeen, spodumene was like fourteen hundred bucks a ton, and we were excited by that. <laughs> we were incredibly excited by that. 
And then it dropped to like five to 800 a ton. And I mean, you know, that's pretty depressing because pretty low prices, but today it's probably sitting somewhere between four and $5,000 per ton, which is pretty unbelievable prices. It, they truly are, even current prices, even with the pullback. I think, um, I think the demand worldwide, every day you open up the newspaper or you go online and you see someone talking about building a new battery plant. You know, I, I think Ford the other day said the biggest impediment to their building more vehicles are batteries. They can't get enough batteries. And right at the moment, you know, on a world, I know Canada is an example. It's not easy to permit and build a model. It takes time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of consultation. The advantage that pegmatites have are, are these are really quarries. Hmm. They're not like other mines, which have all these deleterious constituents. You have quartz, you have feldspar, and you have spodumene, hmm. right? So you're really permeating a quarry with a very low impact. And so that's one big advantage. Perhaps the more difficult thing, and I can't necessarily speak to this, would be permitting if you needed a flotation plant. So DMS, dense media separation, is how I envision uh, Patriot will process their initial ore. And certainly the test, because of how coarse grain that is, the initial tests are saying that they're getting great recoveries. But in West Australia, a lot of the operators, they use flotation because the initial dense media separation uh, doesn't necessarily give the recoveries, the ultimate recoveries they hope for. So the point is, a lot of the spodumene that could be in production now, the expansions that could be there, a lot of the mines that have been in the queue that were discovered, say, five, eight, ten years ago, they're already producing. Uh, I can see a lot of ore coming out of places like Africa where we'd be hand-picked, hand-mined, making up a lot of supply in the short term, depressing prices. But as demand continues to increase, well, that's limited as well. Yeah. Right. You really need to find probably two or three more patrons per year for the next several years to fill up that supply demand gap. And so we're going to keep looking while the price is above fourteen hundred. I'm going to keep looking. <laughs> Just fourteen hundred. It's at five thousand, Jody. <laughs> well, you but you could make money at fourteen hundred. Well, and you can make crazy money at five thousand. I mean, that's a. I I had two follow up questions. One is like, you know, producers don't need five thousand dollar per ton spodium prices to be profitable i mean where is i mean what's your back of the envelope math what is that break even well you i remember uh, you know looking at um at spodumene prices at eight thousand and thinking uh, you know one point one percent ore is worth like over an ounce per ton gold equivalent <laughs> so imagine finding what's potentially a hundred million ton ore body one percent lithium which is equivalent to 100 million ounces of gold. These numbers are crazy. And now reduce that by, say, a factor of four. That's still 20, 30 million ounces of gold. You know, at 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 two thousand dollars worth in. You know. Yeah. Uh, I think anything over fourteen hundred is spectacular. Uh, anything over five thousand is just out of this world. Uh, I, I recall looking at Pilbara Minerals last quarter. Their net profit, I believe, was over five hundred million dollars in a quarter. You know, this company is producing two billion dollars net profit a quarter. Yeah, it's just mind-boggling. Again, and I, I'm not sure what the ultimate cost of the battery is to the car. Uh, 
to the electric car. I, I should really do some research on that. But I, I remember being involved in the uranium cycle many years ago, 2005 to 2010, let's say, pre-Fukushima. And the price of uranium went from 10 bucks a pound to 140, roughly 120, 140. And even with that dramatic increase in the price of uranium, uh, it was peanuts compared in the overall cost of the electricity produced. And I, I wonder if a lith lithium, uh, the lithium prices, even at $5,000 per ton spodumene concentrate, is really relatively minor compared to the overall cost uh, end product, the end car. Well, you've been in this business long enough to know the old adage, the, the, the cure for high prices is higher prices. And so I'm just kind of curious, what do you see on the horizon that really could cause these spodamine prices to correct? Maybe even back to your, let, let's just even say $2,000 a ton. I mean, is it more supply coming online and potentially recession, less demand? I guess I don't, you know, how do you kind of forecast that? Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly nervous about recession. Like, was there... And I wonder with this in, initial build out of electric cars in Asia, in the United States, in Europe, is this initial, was there a spurt of people who've been saying, yeah, I really want an electric car. And then now the demand for that electric car, excuse me, tails off. So that that's one possibility. Uh, though I, I don't see it because a lot of governments are mandating it. And the electric vehicle makes so much sense for people who have short driving distances within cities. Um, you know, it it, it makes it re they really make a lot of sense. Um, so I I can see a lot of people continuing to purchase electric vehicles, and there's other applications. It's, it's not just electric cars. There's other applications. You know, permanent energy storage or semi-permanent storage in a house, um, in a grid setting. Um, you know, I'm there. There's going to be demand for growth for a long time. Mm -hmm. Everybody's predicting that. And it's just, does the supply uh, fill in quickly enough uh, to meet that demand growth? And there's going to be ups and downs across that cycle. You know, sure, spodumene prices could fall back to 2000 which is still a great number. But then it's going to, you know, it's going to spike again. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think there could be a seasonal growth. I, I think as you come out of, Chinese New Year and the first quarter in, in China, for instance, there seems to be a seasonality to lower prices or lower demand, but that's going to increase over the summer and uh, over the balance of the year. And will it do it again next year? I presume it will. Uh, you know, from my seat, it's just been uh, an intense six months of, you know, every morning we, we do this morning briefing here on the podcast and my co-host and I laugh quite frequently because many days the, the, the lithium headlines outnumber any other type of metal headline, you know, people staking or whatever, just kind of moving into this space. And when you start seeing this type of activity, Jody, I, I just, my, my bear trigger is, is clicked and I'm just getting the sentiments way too hot. And this, you know, this it's, it's out of whack. It's out of equilibrium here. Do you share that sentiment with me? Do you disagree with me or, you know, I mean, I guess I just, I'm happy for some constructive feedback in this, this thought. You know, I, I do to some degree, the, um, I remember in the uranium boom again, I hearken back, I 
almost all of northern Saskatchewan was staked. <laughs> you know, and 99% of it had no chance. And I see a lot of that um, around James Bay, for instance. There's a lot of staking, and you know it's a lot of it's not going to have a chance. I mean, there's only one Patriot, right, right at the moment. Uh, there's several other projects in, in James Bay which are pretty special. Uh, but will the next I, – I don't see any more – obvious elephants, so to speak. Well, there's a couple of projects that we're working on that we really think have great potential. But until you put the drill in, you just don't know what you're going to get. It, and, and back to Patriot, when we drilled those first holes and we hit 140 meters, I was astounded. Like, I did we drill down dip? Did we, did we, did we screw up on our mapping? It's, yeah, it was, I, I think there's going to be a lot more surprises the other way. If you know what I mean, a lot more people hoping for a 20, 30 meter drill hit and then they get two, three meters. And, um, but there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of successes. And, you know, a Patriot's a perfect example. If you can find that one gem, you know, the returns you can get right. 16 cents to $16 is, uh, pretty impressive. That's why we're in it. Yeah, that's why absolutely. we're in Jody, this has been a really great conversation. I hope we can do it again uh, because I, I think I'm, I'm with you. I don't think this craze is over, but there is going to be uh, a, a lot more news to be had here in the lithium space. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we can ring you up from time to time and, and get your your experience and your uh, your thoughts on what, on what the news is. It's going to be a fun summer. There really, <laughs> there's going to be not just Patriot. There's going to be so many people out there pounding rocks and i guarantee you there will be other discoveries and a lot of excitement generated around them that is jody derouge from derouge geologic consulting and that is a wrap here on the podcast today we'll be back tomorrow morning with the long form episode everybody have a great evening and be well the information presented should not be considered investment advice Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.